Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. I have brought in a big heavy hitter because we had to discuss all the contracts. Like I talked about Kevin Durant and Juan Soto last time. And I was like, you know what? I got to bring in a real expert to talk about the nerd stuff. (laughs) So I'm bringing in Brandon Anderson from the action network. You guys all know him. Uh, If you don't follow him somehow, that's just like a sin. So follow him on Twitter, Wheaton Brando. I think I said it the right this time, right? (laughs) So you got it. (laughs) uh, And then, you know, so what we're going to talk about today is how like all of these cap things go uh, and especially in, in regard to the NBA anyway. And then like what teams are looking at in terms of their cap space now, later, what some potential trades we could see either soon or throughout the season, because like we keep hearing these things on like ESPN where it's like, oh, well, just trade this guy for this guy. And it's like, you literally cannot do it. Like I remember the thing with Kevin Durant was, oh, well, like just swap Bam out of bio and send him to the Nets, but you can't because they have certain, <laughs> like Ben Simmons, you can't have two guys in that type of contract. So we're trying to clear some of that up for you. So there's some betting angles here and there's some ways to kind of get in front of this news. So Brandon, how you doing today? Man, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I heard your, your excellent podcast on Kevin Durant and all the contract stuff. And I, I texted you, I think while I was still listening to, it, I was like, oh, you want to do contracts? Let's do contracts. <laughs> like Brandon Anderson, expert nerd, I think was my high school name also. So I, I'm I'm ready with the nerdery like this. One of my favorite things to do every summer is, you know, we get all these contracts come out July 1. And every time the tweet comes out, you have to understand everything is lip service. Like everyone is rep- representing someone else like Woj and Shams. They're getting all these scoops because the agents are saying, hey, put this out for me this time. I got you with a scoop next time. Yep. It's all transactional. And like every single tweet is always going to look, when it first comes out, like the best possible deal for the player. Like it always is going to flatter the player and make them look the best it can. And then like a week later and two weeks later and in the doldrums of July, when you're stuck watching the all-star game and betting on like, you know, big three <laughs> basketball or whatever, then they start to leak out like, oh, okay, the last year that contract is non-guaranteed. Or here's where you're like, there's, there are hidden details inside of these contracts. And everyone freaks out at the beginning. And I do too. And you do. Like, that's the fun of yeah. it. Like, oh my gosh, what? They signed for how much? So, but I <laughs> love sometimes, like... Sometimes it's real. Sometimes it's like, oh my oh, God. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and then sometimes the hidden detail of a contract is that there are no hidden details. And that's that's problematic too. So yeah, I think we're just hoping to like, dive into okay so what actually happened here what's the story behind the story and then in you know in the right places how do we bet it too yeah so the first deal which i thought was very surprising uh during this it's not the first deal but i thought it was the first like surprising deal and especially the way that it was framed was the way that james harden is returning to the philadelphia 76ers he kind of waited a while and he's taking like what looked like a sacrifice in terms of his contract because he opted out of what would have been more one-year money um, but now he signed a two-year deal for not max money. And then they kind of framed it in a way that was like, oh, like he's being a team player, but it's like probably just not a max player anymore. So what do you think about this tr- this transaction with uh, Harden re-signing with Philadelphia? So I, I think it is a bit of a sacrifice, but I think it's maybe more of like a wink-wink sacrifice. So, you know, going into free agency, there was thought that Harden was going to, he had a player option. Everyone assumed he was going to opt out of the player option, but because they figured he had the big Whopper deal lined up. Yeah. Going going in, we thought, I feared in my notes, he's about to sign a five-year, $270 million contract. Now it's pretty clear James signs that if it's out there. So it's pretty clear he just wasn't getting that offer on the table. So that's not an option, but five for 270 million the way that Harden has fallen off and we don't know quite how much, how much was the hamstring, how much was, you know, him just quitting on (laughs) the the whole, how much was just James Harden doing the James Harden thing. It's some combination. So instead he not only doesn't get the huge bag, but he doesn't pick up the player option either. He had a $47 million player option. He could have just taken that and basically played out the contract instead he signs for what was reported as a two-year deal but effectively is a one-year deal. It's a one, it's a one plus one. It's the thing LeBron always has been signing. Yeah. So it's a one-year $33 million deal. There's a second year with a player option for just under 36 million. 
unless something disastrous happens and James Harden is just cooked at this point and he's done, that option is not getting picked up. Like that, this is a one year deal. And then probably there is a wink wink part of the deal that's like, hey, listen, James, we need to bring in some more guys on this team. Our roster is incomplete. Daryl Moore needs to cook. And we'll get you next summer, James. You come out, prove yourself. We'll get you with a long-term deal. So I'm guessing that the the real risk for Philadelphia is not that player option. Like Harden is not what he once was. He's worth 33 million. He's worth 36 million. It's great. Like, yeah, it's a good deal, honestly. Good deal. Philly, still. I think. Um, so so the upside is because he did that. What what? However you want to think of it as unselfish or whatever for the team. Here's what it means. PJ Tucker is here, outstanding defender and 16 game defender love playoff guy. Love, love PJ. Deanthony Melton is in, and that was in place of a draft pick that cost them like an extra five million dollars to the cap. You could have room for that, and they had room that way. Daniel House is here. That's another just like solid wing defender. So I, I think Philadelphia, because of the moves that happened. They brought in Melton, Tucker, House are three really good defenders. Great. You've already got Joel Embiid. You've already got Matisse Thibel. You know, Harden is a decent defender. He can defend the post pretty well. Tobias has kind of turned into a good defender. I think the Sixers have real potential to be the best defensive team because of the additions that they've added. So, like, to me, here's the takeaway as a batter. Number one, I already have multiple Joel Embiid Defensive Player of the Year tickets. You know you win Defensive Player of the Year with a top defensive team and the best defender on the team, and that's Embiid right now, especially now that Ben Simmons is finally off Fair. the team. <laughs> so I like that, and I think it also sets up for, uh, I don't know if I'm ready yet on title futures, but regular season, great defense travels. I think this team, if Embiid and Harden stay mostly healthy, I think they could threaten like 60 wins. I, I think could yeah. be the one seed in the East. Yeah, I think that they're going to be very good. Um, and one of the things that I'm interested about too with them is like, in terms of betting a future to win the title, like sure, you could probably get a good number now with the way that their health is. Like I, like personally, I'd rather just wait because like, I don't think that they're going to be a favorite. Even if they are the one seed, I don't know if they'll be the favorite in the East with like the Bucks healthy, like, you know, if the Bucks are healthy, yeah. the Bulls kind of push to get put, like put together like a healthy roster, you know, if the, the like whatever, whatever other teams, you know, are there, if the Raptors make a move, the Nets look good. So like, I think you can maybe get a number on that, but I agree with you. The defensive player of the year is great, especially with, such a like stalwart, like Rudy Gobert, which we'll get to later, but like he's in a new situation. So it's not that defense that was built around him yep. in Utah. So I think this is a good spot to buy on Embiid. The question that I have for you though, is now with all this additional talent and like, you know, it's like, you know, that you have two main guys in Harden and Embiid, and then you have like a rising guy in Maxi. What do you do with this Tobias Harris contract? Is he somebody that you can move now because of this Harden contract? It gives you maybe a little bit more flexibility this season. Yeah, I, I feel like Tobias just is superfluous on this team because we know Joel Embiid is going to have a massive usage and should and has proven that he's earned that. We know James Harden because he's James Harden. He's going to have the ball a lot and Maxie should have the ball a lot. And really, you want to get these defenders you just brought in. You want them out there like you. You, if you just put out Harden and Embiid and three really good defenders, that's fine. Harden and Embiid are going to do all the stuff on offense and then some. And like, if you can just be D'Anthony Melton and catch and shoot a three, that's all we need from the other three guys. Defend and rebound and then shoot if you're open. Like, that's your job. And end of description. Yeah. And like, Tobias, Tobias has proven he can do that a little bit. He can shoot the spot up fine. He can defend a little bit, but like, you don't need to be paying the guy that amount of money. So yeah, we talked about this. I, I feel like the move, if you can, is get off of Tobias's money. And rather than how do we go out and get that other guy to add to the lineup? I think the answer is get off of Tobias, turn him into two or three guys, add to the rotation and the depth. And especially they still need some bench scoring. If they start maxi, They've got all these defenders, but someone's got to score off the bench. Yeah. And like you, you can't pay Tobias what you're paying and then bring him off the bench too. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, a team like uh, a Charlotte, a Sacramento an Orlando, a real sexy list of teams, but <laughs> like a yeah. team that a team that can make Tobias be, you know, the all-star version of him. Like, Hey, you know what? Go score 22 a game, buddy. Be efficient. Go get your points. 
And I think that a team that can need a marquee scorer, like a lead guy, and then give back some pieces, I think could could make Philadelphia an even better team. And yeah. the other thing too, with with bringing all these guys in, is now they can keep them. Like you can't go over the cap to bring in the Meltons and Tuckers of the world. That's the rules. You can't go over. But now that you got them here, and once you trade Tobias maybe for some more of those guys, now you can pay anything you want to keep them and go over the cap to keep your own guys. So I think it sets them up well long-term if this works too. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that puts us in – you mentioned two different – like an idea and a team. Um, here and one of those teams is the Orlando Magic and obviously they just had the number one pick they got Paolo he looks he looks good in summer league he's got turnover issue a little bit but he's a rookie like it's gonna happen Um, I feel like they have like a really odd team right now like they just have a lot of like random dudes and I, I don't know like like I was surprised that you know like they have they still have Harris Bamba like is on the roster still like these seem like guys that would be good rotational pieces for other teams. Um, and like, obviously you mentioned Philly, like, is that maybe a natural spot for like a guy like Harris to kind of end up where you have, you know, like a leader, he's an, he's a veteran. He's like a, he's a, he's a pros pro. Maybe that's a spot he can kind of like lead this team. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk about Orlando because like, they're not a sexy team with, they're not going to be good this year. They might be fun. We get to watch Paolo. We get to watch Suggs and Cole Anthony and, and Franz Wagner, all these guys, but uh, Gary Harris and Mo Bamba, who you mentioned are just the perfect examples of some of these hidden details that, that I'm talking about. So when the reporting came out, it came something like this. Gary Harris has resigned two year extension, $26 million, two years, 26 million. And it just kind of came with all the other signings because it all yeah. comes at once last day of June, 1st of July. And same with Mo Bamba, two years, 21 million. Well, here's the thing. Number one, these guys did not re-sign per se. They signed extensions. And the important thing with that is if you sign a new contract, you are ineligible to be traded for six months after that. So for yeah. most of these guys signing, they're untouchable until December. Gary Harris signed an extension before it turned to July one. He signed one of those extensions that like we heard Damian Lillard signing some of these other guys. That means that Gary Harris can be traded right now. Like that's just his other deal continuing. So he can go right now. Obama can go. And the other thing is this, these are two year deals, but they're fake two year deals. They're one year deals for both Harris and Bamba. The last year, their contract is fully non-guaranteed. So effectively, it's kind of like the team gets to whoever has them gets to decide, do I want to pay this guy this amount for next year? But why that's helpful is this. If they the longer they stay on the roster, like think of flash forward a year from now, if they haven't been traded yet, I can whoever team I am, if if I have Russell Westbrook and I need to just get him out of here and I don't want more money back, I can trade for Gary Harris and Mo Bamba as $23 million of incoming salary on a deal and then immediately waive them. And it costs my team nothing, but like, again, there are trade rules. You have to get close to matching salary. And maybe you throw in some picks or whatever. And like, that's how this kind of works. So I think that that's a really good point. And maybe that's how Orlando figures. Look, we don't want to give up these guys for nothing. We don't mind paying them because like, whatever, like we'll just run like a literal 15 man rotation because we don't know what we're doing. Um, And then (laughs) like, but we'll, but we'd understand this from a management perspective. Like let's move some of these guys. Um, So one of the teams that I want to talk about too, obviously we have, I feel like it's a lot of Western conference teams that are running into this issue where they're, it's like you said, like once you have them on your team, you can keep paying them like exponential amounts of money. So um, I want to get to the Warriors quickly, but first I want to talk about the Denver Nuggets because Jokic just signed what literally, I think it's the richest deal yep. in NBA history. And now you have this team, Denver's like, seems fairly committed. Like I like the trade to get KCP. I thought it was great basketball fit for them, but at the same time it worked for them salary cap wise. So they seem like a team that's so committed to like not going over the cap or not going over the luxury tax, like too many times. What do they do here? Because like, is this maybe their one time? This is maybe the year to run it and like, be like, we have to win this year. We're healthy. We have to win. Otherwise we got to start blowing it up. 
Yeah, I, I think I, that may be a bit extreme, but I do think it's a version of that. I, I think you have to prove this year that you are truly a contender. Yeah. Like you have to not lose an embarrassing fashion in the first or second round. You, you can't be what Utah was or, or the way Phoenix looked. If that happens, then I think we get there next summer like, okay, this is not going to go because move. Yeah, because it's not just that there are cap rules. You got still Stan Kroenke has to actually pay the bill. And the man has been proven over and over again to be, well, fiscally responsible is a kind way of saying it. But he, <laughs> he's not going to pay a lot of extra. Like we see every year, Denver makes these little tiny moves where it's like, oh, okay, well, they traded two guys for one here. And the one is slightly better by like 10% maybe, but was a secretly just trading some salary to clear some room oh they traded away a pick well yeah because mike malone doesn't really play young players that much so he wouldn't have made the rotation anyway or were they just clearing like four million dollars off the cap room and look denver's not a major market like you gotta you gotta pay the bills i understand it but Jokic on a massive deal that he obviously deserves kcp got an extension i think i agree i think he'll be a great fit for them i think he's on their closing five I love Denver's closing five, but yeah. Michael Porter is really expensive. Jamal Murray is really expensive. Aaron Gordon is not cheap. Aaron Gordon's no. like these, these guys are getting paid the right amount. This there's, there's a lot of talent there. They're, they're over 160 million this year. And already before bringing in anything else, they're over 170 million each of the next two years already, like way over the cap already. So I, I think you're right. I don't think it's title or bust. But I think if this team doesn't go out and actually look like, hey, this version of the team, everyone is signed. Like they've got the whole. They could be good for a long yeah, time. Yeah, they could be great. And everyone is here. So if it goes well, oh my gosh, Denver could control the next few years. But instead, if it's like, okay, they're a four seed, a six seed, whatever, they lose in a round one or two, they don't really look up to par, then I don't know how Stan Kroenke doesn't look at this roster. And I, I had this note about Utah a year ago and, and look where the Jazz are, where it's like you either have to really be a contender or you can't keep paying Gobert and Mitchell and Conley and everyone. That's just with mid markets, the window doesn't stay open as long. You, you got to you gotta make your, your payment worth it, which I think is where Golden State gets interesting in the conversation too. Yeah, so that's where I wanted to pivot because like obviously – Denver's their time frame, it kind of got shortened because of some of the injuries to like Murray, Michael Porter Jr., or whatever. And like they thought they were gonna have like a really tight window um, where they could really succeed with Jokic playing at a literal MVP level. Now, like I think that's a nice con- like contrast to a team like Golden State, where they are just like, we don't give a shit. Like we will pay <laughs> everybody whatever the heck they want, and like it's fine. Like we will pay you. You don't have, you're, you can be hurt, like whatever. Like we will pay you because we. We have the money, we have the capital, and we're in like this, you know, we're in California, we're in a prestigious spot. We're now like, they're like reignited flame, like embers of a dynasty again here. And you have like the greatest shooter of all time in Steph Curry. So you have this team who's like way over the cap. And it's something, I don't know, it kind of rubbed me like the wrong way uh, when, um, what's his name? Uh, I'm forgetting. Gary Payton? (laughs) No, Mr. Meme. Um, oh, uh, Brian Windhorse. Yeah, Windhorse. I, I just like totally <laughs> forgot. I was like Mr. Meme and I did the like the finger something. <laughs> but um, Windhorse like said, he was like, you know, did they like buy this championship? And it's like, yeah, but they they brought in, it's really all their own guys. So it kind of ties into what you were saying about like, well, once you have them there, if you if you want to pay them, like, go pay for them. So what do you think about them? Because I feel like they lost a lot of their bench guys this yeah. season that they didn't decide to pay or they, they decided to go somewhere else for whatever reason. What do you what are your thoughts on Golden State? Can they repeat or is it just like a shell now? Yeah, I mean, that's like, look, we just talked about Denver. Denver is basically their own guys for the most part. And I don't think anyone would say if Denver suddenly went out and was a great team this year, like, oh, Denver bought a championship. No, Denver is expensive because they got good players and then they developed the good players. Like these are not number one and number two picks on Denver. They developed them and then they paid what they're worth. That's good. That's we want that as fans. We want you to draft good players, keep them and develop them and then have an awesome team. Every fan should want that unless like, 
well, look, you're a, you're a Knicks fan. Oh, Knicks and Lakers yeah. fans can cannot want that because the good players can just choose to come to you. Every fan of all the other teams should want you to do what the Warriors have done and what the Nuggets are trying to do and draft these guys. I'm like, look, Gary Payton wasn't even a draft. Gary Payton barely made the roster, and they developed, and, and he developed. He gets credit, too, and became this, like, tenacious defender. And, yeah, I, I think what we saw with the Warriors, here's my takeaway on them this summer. Even teams that are printing money, like the Warriors are at the new arena, still have their limits. And that's what we saw this summer is like, look, without getting into all the fancy terms, you go over the cap, you can hit the luxury tax, and now you have to pay extra money to all the other teams. And you keep doing that more than once, you hit the repeater tax. And the Warriors are at a spot now where, and there's a couple teams like this, but the Warriors are a spot where basically... I'm not paying Gary Payton $9 million to play for me next year, which is a perfectly fine amount for him. But because of where they're at in the, in the salary cap world, every dollar the Warriors pay actually costs them four or $5. And suddenly, yeah. And suddenly Gary Payton is like a $40 million decision to keep him. And like, look, you can pay Clay Thompson 40 million a couple years ago to rehab and keep him around. But Clay has, won four championships and like earned the right to do that. My man, Gary Payton has played one year for the team. So Payton gone, Otto Porter gone. Nemanja Bielitsa, important part of the rotation during the year, back to Europe. Iguodala probably retiring. Juan Toscano Anderson left. He probably got paid more than the Warriors could really afford to keep him. Yeah. I know it doesn't seem like these are like, okay, fine. But they still have the guys, right? They kept Kavon Looney. He was the most important. I think that's true. But uh, Peyton, Otto, Iguodala, even Bielitsa last year, these are good defenders, like really good defenders on a team that won, sorry if you had to find out this way, with defense. They won yeah. with defense, as the Warriors always have. And I, I fear that the defense and the compromised depth are not going to be as strong this year. And here's the other thing. For next summer, they're already at $170 million before Andrew Wiggins gets an extension. He's on an expiring deal. Before Jordan Poole gets an extension, he's on an expiring deal. And that's before Draymond Green's contract because he's got a player option and you figure he probably opts out to get one more contract. So yeah. you're already $170. You can pay those guys. Again, the rules allow you pay that you could pay a max all three of them the rules don't prohibit that but that decision just cost you like 400 million dollars a season yeah for like and who? so yeah, yeah. And, and if you win the title great you made the right decision like you still profited but like i i wonder especially with the guys getting older and how expensive staggeringly expensive the team is getting is this the last dance like yeah. are we getting the last dance version of the warriors I don't think we can get more than another year, maybe two of this version of the team is it's just too expensive. Even the Warriors have their limits. Yeah. And it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, look, like they might be really, really good, but it's like laying a minus 200 bet for like a full year. And that's something that you need to consider. It's not, you're not getting value anymore. Like you're not saying like, all right, yeah, but like this team, like we got these great contracts, whatever, like, yeah it's like we have like a plus like it's like 10 to one you know to win the title it's like no like they're like minus 200 like you better win like because the cost is like getting to be excessive and one team that's kind of like getting into this situation that's starting to get more expensive is the milwaukee bucks and personally i think that had chris middleton been healthy they probably win that series against the boston celtics um who we can touch on in a little bit but they seem to be in the situation where they keep paying like more and more money to fewer players. And it's like, well, you yeah. got to fill out the roster and you're trying to win a title because you have Giannis. What, what does a team like this do right now? Like, is that, is that like a real problem for them? Yeah. I think as a better for this year, I don't think is a problem yet. Like, look, they don't have PJ Tucker, but they didn't have him last year. And there's a lot of conversation like, well, if Chris stays healthy, I think they win the title. I think that's maybe a little overstated because you still got to win that series True. and win two more series after. I think it's fair, though. I think that they certainly would have been in the mix for things. I think this year the roster is still perfectly fine and title contention worthy. Long term, I'm getting worried here because the Bucs keep doing this thing where like every summer I get there, I'm like, OK, last year, Bobby Portis picks up his player option. And you're like, what? 
but but Bobby just had this this great year, and why would he, surely he could have gotten more money? Why would he pick up his player option? And then you get to this summer, and it's like Bobby Portis signs a four year, forty nine million dollar deal, and you're like, oh, there it is. That's why he picked up the player option. We already had this deal last summer. Like we already had this wink, wink, ready to we go. Did. Pat Connaughton, same thing this year, had something like a $5 million extension or $5 million option. And then it turns out, whoop, he picks up the player option. You're like, wait, but, but Pat was really good in the playoffs. Wouldn't someone have paid him? Yeah, someone was the Bucks, and they paid him with a three-year extension. Mm-hmm. And now you've got Pat Connaughton, perfectly good role player right now until he turns 30 midseason and is slowly aging out of that. Now he's making $9 million two and three and four years from now. And I, I worry a little bit, you know, the, the, the calves from like the late two thousands, uh, the, the early LeBron calves version sort of kept chasing and trying to build the right roster. And look, this is not the calves. The bucks won a championship. Let's yes. be very clear. They're trying to keep a championship roster, but it feels like they're doing a thing where they paid too much for like the Chris Middleton contract, for example, and now every year, because they paid too much, they're trying to cheap out in the short term. Okay, hey, Bobby, take the little amount. We'll get you next year. Hey, Pat, take the little amount. We'll get you next year. And by doing that, it's like every, you know, it's the financial decision that is never dealing with today. We'll, we'll figure it out tomorrow. Well, here, here's where we're at. Here's the Bucks' ages for this season. Giannis, totally fine, right? Yeah, he's good. Drew, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are 32 and 31. Probably fine, but like we're, we're getting there on these guys. Yeah. Brooke Lopez is 34. Pat Connaughton's 30. And then like the, the depth, the bench guys, Joe Ingles, 35 and coming off a torn ACL. George Hill is 36. Wes Matthews is 36. Serge Ibaka is 32 and like looks, plays like he's like in his 50s, you know, I like, know. like, that's the roster. Basically, the only guys on this team that are in their prime is Giannis and Grayson Allen. Like, Which is that's, tough. That's the core. And yeah. so it's just, it, it's fine. It's fine for this year. You can bet your title future. You can bet your Giannis MVP. But part of why you're betting your Giannis MVP is because he's playing with these ever-aging and expensive players around him. And I just, I, I feel like, it's easy to be like, oh, they have Giannis. They're going to be title contenders every year for the next decade or five years or whatever. It's like, well, you don't win a title alone. You still need these guys around you. Yeah, and, and like and- we've seen that that with Le- even LeBron. Like it's like you're you're a title contender, sure, but like if the rest of the roster around the guy is like these teams, like the teams are too good. The talent's there. Like yeah. this isn't expansion era where like you have these like garbage teams. Like you have a couple teams tanking, but the contenders are all good. So it's like you can't you can't just assume that Giannis is going to be able to take this team to to a title like every year, um, especially as these guys get older. So I, I think that's a good point. Like maybe not this year, but coming up, somebody might be on the move. Um, but with that, let's take a look at Minnesota. All right. So the Minnesota Timberwolves, as we know, shipped a boatload of picks for Rudy Gobert and Look, I already warned you. Like we we stopped. Like we had to literally stop the podcast before I could ask the Minnesota question, so that way we could like start the recording again, just so I could warn Brandon because I know like the takes that he's going to have about this. It's like I was like, dude, you gotta just you gotta keep it tight here. Like I, we all know how much you hate this trade, but like obviously it's expensive and like they have like so many expensive pieces and they are like the only team in the NBA that has like multiple centers that are like also like good centers. Like it's not just multiple. They're like, they're actually are good centers. Yeah. What are, what are our thoughts here? Like, how are you not like, how did you not throw your phone when you heard this trade? And then like, what, what are your <laughs> thoughts? Like, how do you improve this roster that also has D on, on it and just so much, so much money tied up in a couple players. So first of all, I absolutely threw my phone multiple times. <laughs> I threw my phone, ran over, picked it up and threw it again. That's how angry I was about the trade. But like part of the reason is uh, among many other things that you can read on my Twitter about paying two centers the exorbitant amount of money that they're about to because Gobert's contract is still on the hook for $170 million in the next four years. There's a player option there, but uh, spoiler alert, 
he's going to pick up that $47 million option at age 34. Yeah. So there's that option. Carl Anthony Towns signs the max extension. And if you noticed, basically Towns signs the super max because he made 13 all NBA this year. Guess we beat out new teammate, Rudy Gobert. I'm sure that's going to go well. And the funny thing is too, like they traded for Rudy. I'm interrupting you a little bit, but they traded for Rudy Gobert, right? Who plays the center position. (laughs) And the only reason that Towns got the super max is because he was playing the center position, which he's not going to play anymore. Exactly. Like Towns signs the mega super max deal. Basically now Towns' contract is six years for $294 million. He literally, like you're saying, only got that contract. He only could sign that because he was a center. And under 24 hours later, he is no longer a center ever again on this team. And he would not make all NBA with the way he's playing. And yet, so right now Towns makes 34 million. That's not the super max yet. He's still got two years left on his regular max deal. Then he kicks up to 50 million and all the way to $62 million in the last year. And look, TV money and everything, like all these price tags are going up, but basically two years from now, so year three of the Gobert era in Minnesota, I think I just threw up into my mouth a little bit. They're playing, they're going to be paying Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns over $90 million just for those two guys, just for two centers, basically. Who aren't going to be the best players on the team. Yeah, who aren't the best players on the team because it's Anthony Edwards' team, who, by the way, is 20, a full decade younger than Rudy Gobert. So I think a listener, you can figure out a little bit perhaps where I'm at on why I love this trade so much for them from a salary cap standpoint and why the details on this matter, though, is this. So Minnesota has basically one chip left. Like they're kind of because the expenses are so high and because they're only going to hire when Towns' max kicks in, the super max in a couple of years. And obviously Anthony Edwards is going to get a max deal as soon as he can. And that'll be coming like basically he'll sign that next summer to kick in the year after that. Basically, Minnesota has one year this year right now to make one more move. And the move is D'Angelo Russell. Either the move is sign him on an extension and lock it in. And that's it. This is the team. Everyone's locked up long term. This is it. Please, God, don't let that be the move. (laughs) Or D'Lo is an expiring deal, making $31 million. Everyone knows that's too much. Well, all the other 29 teams know that's too much. But expiring deals are different. Expiring deals are no longer bad contracts because other teams want to take in that salary slot and clear stuff out. Minnesota also has uh, Torian Prince, who is signed to a two-year deal now, but it's that magic thing we talked about. The second year is non-guaranteed. So he's another guy that is essentially an expiring deal. Even Jordan McLaughlin is is that as well if needed. The Timberwolves, if they find a trade partner for whoever that is, maybe you know it's maybe it's Miami wants to just get off of Kyle Lowry. Maybe they have a deal for Durant and they just need to clear out Kyle Lowry, and that's the piece Minnesota wants to chase to bring in. Not reporting, just totally just throwing names yeah. out. But by trading. D'Lo, and if they want, adding Prince and McLaughlin to the mix, Minnesota can send out $41 million of salary this year. And by the rules, you can take in 125%. That means Minnesota could take in over $50 million on a deal that, again, kind of like we said with Philly, they can't just go do that next summer. They can't just go sign somebody for that money because the cap stuff is in place, but they can trade for it and bring in Who's that fourth guy on the team? Or or who are the fourth, fifth, and sixth guys? Maybe you do all that and bring in, kind of like we said, you know, with the Tobias-type deal. Maybe you're bringing in more pieces. But, again, it's D'Angelo Russell is this team's Tobias Harris now. Yeah. There's only so much usage. He doesn't fit the roster. He hasn't been good enough anyway. And every other team knows that, too. But he his value now is as an expiring deal. If Minnesota just extends him then that's it. This is the team going forward. They don't have draft picks. They don't have any yeah, other nothing. ways to improve. Yeah. But to me, D'Lo, until he signs an extension, and we really haven't heard much on that, he wants to. Yeah, duh. Sure. He'd like the money. Yeah. But until that happens, to me, I think D'Lo is one of the most likely guys to get traded this year. And if you are in on Minnesota, 
Perhaps some of you are more than I am. If you're in a Minnesota <laughs> futures, Minnesota over, Minnesota to, I don't know, whatever, whatever make the Western Conference final or something, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Divi- yeah. Division is a good one. It's basically them in Denver. I think you have to hope that there's a D'Lo trade out there. Remember, the dude got benched in the last game against Memphis. Like, I, I'm not yeah. sure he's high on Chris Finch's list. So I don't know who that trade partner is, but you, you keep Ant and go all in on him. You got your twin towers. You bring something else in that D'Lo salary slot. And then I think, okay, maybe the Gobert trade isn't the final piece. Maybe there's another final, final thing happening and then it can get interesting. Yeah, just as like an actionable point with Minnesota, I don't I don't hate the trade like this year. I think it's more of like a future thing that's going to be like I think it's going to be problematic in terms of like salary contracts whatever. The one thing is I guess they traded a lot of pieces to get him. Yeah. So like they're a little thinner than I think that you would like. So I think what you're saying about maybe trading Delo to get multiple pieces is probably better. But one of the things that I think is interesting is like Gobert got like he kind of got nerfed in the playoffs just because of scheme. But with, when you have Carl Anthony Towns, like I know that a big thing was like, we don't want to play him a ton of minutes, like at like playing switch. Like it's, it's hard on this guy's body in the playoffs though. If there is a team that's going to say like, we're going to try to exploit Gobert and you just like, whatever we have an all NBA center. Otherwise, like we'll just limit his minutes or do something to match him with somebody else. Like, is that something that you think is even feasible with this team? Like that could create a matchup problem or an advantage for them because they have two centers. I think it's possible. You know, basically where Utah had a completely inflexible style of play, they yeah. only could do the go bear thing. You know, we, we tried to get all excited a year ago. Oh, Ru- Rudy Gay. They're going to be able to play small now. The Jazz have a small ball lineup to beat the Clippers. No, they did not. (laughs) Boy, did they not. (laughs) And you can, Minnesota can, quote unquote, play small and put their third team all NBA center as the center. (laughs) So like for those teams, for the Clippers of the world, who they might have to play in a playoff series that are like, we're going to play all of our wings now. We're going to put Robert Covington at center. Oh, really? well, we're going to put Rudy Gobert on the bench for a little bit and let Towns play back at center. And Towns is just going to take it at Robert Covington right now because he can. He's one of the very few guys, and Gobert isn't. We know Gobert isn't, but Towns is a guy that can punish that matchup. It's problematic to me that the exciting twist the team can do involves getting rid of the guy they literally just traded 10 for one to acquire. That seems problematic, big picture, yeah. but it does give you another option. And in, in playoffs, versatility is key. And I think a, a takeaway for me looking at the last couple of years, we saw Utah be incredible last year, all year long, and then just didn't have an answer for the small ball. Exactly. Thing. We saw Phoenix this year be incredible all year long. And Phoenix was a little more versatile but they they couldn't they weren't versatile enough they didn't have enough answers and I, I want to be aware I I could see betting on Minnesota regular season much more than I could see betting on them playoff because I could see them learning kind of like how Utah and Phoenix did to game the system and rack up a bunch of wins and look really good but I still don't think it's enough versatility there the the bet that I'm interested in having talked through this. And I know some of our guys at Action Network are on this already. Anthony Edwards for most improved player, I think could really be interesting, especially yeah. if that D'Lo trade happens and kind of clears out all that usage and all of his just like 20-foot shots that he just feels like taking this possession. Big fan, by the way. If all that clears out, Anthony Edwards with the ability to have a, an awesome role man, two awesome role men in, in play and more handling, whatever. I mean, like, it's ridiculous to me that a number one pick from two years ago who's already been yeah. good would be the most improved player. But it doesn't matter what's ridiculous. What matters is who did we bet on and did they win who the voters picked. I think that that would, like, the narrative is very obvious there. The dude is a movie star now. They make the big trade. Anthony Edwards explodes, 28 points a game, new all-star. Like, that's a lock most improved if that happens that way. So I'm not saying that bet is a lock, but 
there's a pretty easy path where if it hits, it's really hard to bet against that. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad that you brought up the most improved player uh, award because like what the guy that just won this year, John Morant, it seemed like ridiculous that he could even win just based on the fact that he was like literally in the warranted or not. He was in the MVP conversation. And with Memphis, um, it's kind of weird. Like, I think that they have to be worse this year. Um, because like, I felt like everything kind of broke their way and like, they've been so just like cocky, like, just like <laughs> to just get like their doors blown off by the warriors kind of like, and then now you have Jaron Jackson jr. He's got an injury. You have some of these older guys in the roster. Like what did they do here? Because to like get better, because I felt like the draft wasn't good for them. Like I, I didn't like their draft. What do we, is there like a move for them or like, can they maybe get trade some of these guys to get one guy that's better or like what's the move for them yeah i think in the immediate future it's hard to argue with that they just had to have gotten a little worse they had to because a thing that was great about them was their depth and has been a calling card for this team for years and that is what they're losing here because they lost anthony melton they got a draft pick for him i think that's a pretty good deal in the sum of things but right now, it hurts to lose a guy that's a really good defender and was a you know an important part of the rotation. They lose Kyle Anderson, weird player, doesn't really fit. You know he's in Minnesota now, like that's a nice addition for the Timberwolves. But he's a real loss for this team. It's hard to really get an idea of like a dude that averages like seven, four, and three for your team. Like how valuable can he be? Because box score metrics is just hard to pick up on yeah. that but he defends well. He's funky. He does his own thing. He was really good for this team. And then the other thing, yeah, it matters. And, and Brandon Clark, we saw how awesome he was in the playoffs. He didn't go anywhere except he kind of did because as long as Jaron Jackson is out for this team, Brandon Clark becomes a starter where he's not as valuable. That went really poorly his sophomore season. And more importantly, perhaps he's not a bench player anymore. So you lost your bench defense. You lost your bench weapon. They did keep Tyus Jones around. I think in the short term, though, it's hard to imagine not taking a step back. Look, I see the big picture. They extended John Conchar, my guy. My guy out of (laughs) Uwe Pui. I love John Conchar. I think that's the Kyle Anderson idea long term. I get it. You got to make the move. You're Memphis. You're a small market team. They, They got Jake LaRavia who, uh, sorry, I, I think Conchar is maybe the Melton replacement. Fair. Jake LaRavia, I think, is the Kyle Anderson replacement. And I think we'll step into that role, but it's, it's going to take time. It's a rookie now. It's not a guy that's been really good. I get it. Here's, here's where I think you're hinting at with, so what can they do? They're, they're worse right now. We have to believe that they're worse today than they were last year. Yeah. But they're also not stuck. They're a very smart, savvy organization that has a lot of paths. That's why we're saying these guys they're bringing in, they're, they're saying, hey, look, like if you're a Memphis, you don't get the option of just being like, Kyle Anderson is great and Anthony Melton is great we'll and them. we love them on our bench and we're just going to pay all of them forever. You can't. You don't have the money to do it. You, you no. legally can. You, <laughs> in real world terms, you can't do it. You have to do these moves where you're like, well, let's get the cheaper option then. Let's let them go. How do we bring them back in? Here's where it's interesting. In that Melton trade, we know they traded for basically for Jake LaRavia, the draft pick. But they also, because of how trades work, had to take a salary in. Danny Green is a Memphis Grizzly right now. Danny Green's not going to play for the Grizzlies, I I would guess. I I feel like no. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's out for much of the year anyways. But it matters that he's still on the roster. Why? because he has an expiring $10 million deal. And he also has only part of that is guaranteed. So a team that would trade for Danny Green can take in $10 million of salary that they're trying to get rid of. And only, and like he's off the books after the year, the Grizzlies also have Dylan Brooks expiring deal this year, 11 and a half million, Steven Adams expiring deal, 18 million. I know Dylan Brooks and Steven Adams are starters for this team. But Brooks is the exact sort of guy that feels like the heartbeat of this team and has been really good. But like now that they're actually like a good team, like a really good team. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like Brooks has kind of maxed out the thing he can be like, look, we saw, I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry to bring this up for Grizzlies fans, but the playoff game when jaw is out and it's like, Oh, I I guess Dylan has to do all the things now. It's ugly. 
it's Ugh. ugly yeah bad so yeah and then like you saw like we saw how steven adams like we capitalized on you know, his, sure like, deficiencies <laughs> in the playoffs so like there's different they have these guys that are like flawed in ways that are problematic for the playoffs and it's like when you have john morant you have desmond bain you should be looking at to create a roster that's like and jaron jackson jr realistically you should be looking to create a roster that's like no no like we have guys that won't get played off the court and like maybe they need some more 16 game players rather yeah. than 82 game players um yeah and one team that i think is really doing well in terms of getting these 16 game players but to get off of the memphis grizzlies a bit is the boston celtics um we saw them they're adding malcolm brogdon which you know he's obviously got his injury issues and like he always just seems to be like one quick turn away from like his whole body exploding <laughs> but like but at the same time he seems like the kind of guy that they were like missing last season especially in especially in the finals where you're like all right like maybe we do need another guy here that can really kind of handle the ball and between you know like boston like you have this team where you're like all right well tatum is obviously like the guy but then at the same time you know jalen brown's still really good and like is there like what did they do like are their title favorites now can they do something or is this really the product that we're going to see it coming out of boston yeah, and I think that's where for, for both of these teams, I'm going to circle back to Memphis a little bit in a second too, but both Boston and Memphis are ripe for, and this to me in the, in the whole podcast, if you take one thing away, it's these two teams are ripe for a consolidation trade. And what I mean by that is they have the pieces to take two, three, four pieces, put them together and go get that star. Whoever yeah. that is, it's not Brad Beal anymore. Bradley Beal is now $7 trillion and off limits for a while. contract ever. <laughs> yeah, but, but whoever it is, maybe, you know, it's probably not Dame anymore. I thought it was going to be Dame. I thought he was going to be ready to be like, all right, this isn't happening. I'm out. And, yeah. and it could be, it will be eventually is my bold prediction. <laughs> whoever it is, Boston is set up perfectly for that. And you always got to watch, watch the salary slots for some of these smart teams because Boston basically has seven good NBA starters on the team now, counting Brogdon. If you'd like to count Danilo Gallinari, then they have eight. I'll call it yeah. seven and a half seven good a half. NBA <laughs> players. But here's the thing. Brogdon makes $22 million this year. Gallinari is $6.5 million. But look up and down the roster a little bit. Look at like Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, not Tatum, not Brown. We pretty much know they're not going anywhere. Yeah. But Boston has contracts at Six and a half million, 11 million, 15, 17, 22, 26. They're all like five, four million dollars apart. They're all spread out nicely in there. That is on purpose. That is not a coincidence. They're getting these contracts where they're like, hey, when the deal comes and we need to match X dollars on this trade, here are eight good guys that look, any team can put Malcolm Brogdon on the roster oh, yeah. and fit them. Like, he, he, Derek White is another easy example. He's another one of those contracts. Any team can trade for Derek White or Malcolm Brogdon or, or Marcus Smart and be happy with who they're getting the deal. And you have these kind of spread out contracts where then you say, okay, we're not giving you Tatum. We're not giving you Jalen Brown, but we do have six other guys that can be useful to you. And, and a lot of times we think that team that wants to trade Beal wants to blow it up and start over. No. A lot of times that's not how it goes. A lot of those teams are like, no, 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 we don't want to tank. That's why we kept Beal for so long. Yeah, We want some guys. Give us some guy. Like even look at Brooklyn. Brooklyn doesn't want to tank. Brooklyn, and, and there are reasons, they have their draft yeah. pick problems, but Brooklyn wants guys, guys who can play. Like I've, I've been waiting, again, not reporting, but Boston has a lot of pieces that they could add up and put together and make a pretty interesting Kevin Durant offer if they would so choose to, to do that. Yeah. So I think to me, that's where if you can find out who this team is, who's the consolidation team, that now as a better, that's where you can pre-bet and, and anticipate the move. Who can put together, like, it's great to have 10, 11 guys who can play good minutes, but in the playoffs, I need five. And if you can make my five even better mid-season, and now my title future just skyrocketed because we got that big, huge in-season trade or the, the August or September trade, that's where you can really get out ahead here. So I think Boston, as good as they already are, 
has real paths to still get better, which yeah. should be scary for the rest of the league. No, and I think that that's important because like when you look at their number, they're the title favorites right now. Uh, them, the Memphis Grizzlies, like their numbers, decent. I think, what is it like 18 to one or something like yeah. that. And then obviously like one other team that's like that. Uh, and we won't really get into it just because we're not really, I'm not really sure like what their, what their scenario is, but like the Clippers have a lot of pieces at like different contract levels that you could kind of move around to try to say like, all right, like we need a center. We need this, we need that. We need a wing, whatever, but they're, they're also going to be a team to watch. And I like, you know, those are maybe some numbers that you want to get in on earlier rather than later, because it's like barring an injury, obviously, like you're looking at these teams and you're like, they should be good come playoff time right now. I wouldn't be upset with holding a ticket, but like, they could get a lot better real fast. And that number is not going to be long gone no matter what. Um, So I just real quick, uh, just to wrap up, there are a couple like wonky contracts that like kind of happened here. The Suns obviously brought back DeAndre Ayton at like a monster deal. And I think that that kind of takes them out of the Kevin Durant running. Don't you agree? I think it likely does. So supposedly that the Brooklyn didn't really want Ayton necessarily anyway. And it was going to maybe need to be a three team thing, whatever. They, everyone seems to say they're still in it if you do like a Mikhail and Cam Johnson and whatever sort of trade, but that feels very like, really? That's the Kevin Durant package? Yeah. To, to me, the deal, the fact that Aiton signed with Indiana and then Phoenix, here's, how, here's why that matters. Number one, only Phoenix could have offered a five-year deal. So because he signed elsewhere and then Phoenix matched it, this is not a five-year deal. It's a four-year deal. And I think that was important to Phoenix to not have to commit so long on Aiton. And number two, we, we keep hearing all this thing about like, well, who can Brooklyn trade for? Because they already have a guy on a rookie max. Down Aiton doesn't count as one of those now because Indiana signed him and True. Phoenix matched. So those things matter as far as like team building and keeping – their options open a little bit. So I think that does help a bit with the Kevin Durant thing, just to give a little more flexibility, but signing him that way also gives Aiton a full no trade clause for a whole year. He can just straight up reject anything. Yeah. And boy, just speaking of no trade clauses, did we get a, <laughs> did we get a real one this year? <laughs> yeah. The, the Bradley Beal contract is probably one of the worst contracts I've ever seen. And like, it's interesting. And it's something I think I, I touched on it a little bit, like kind of when I was talking about Durant in like my last podcast, but this no trade clause, like he's the epitome of the guy that's just going to be like, I want out, like I'm out, like whatever. And it's like, I don't, and then now it's really going to hamstring Washington because he basically can say like, I don't care what your best deal is. Like, I only want to go there, you know? And it's like, that's it, yeah. you know? So I, I don't know, like Washington to me doesn't seem like a good basketball team. Um, they're, they have pieces, but like, they just don't seem like they're ever really like putting it together. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the difference between like Kevin Durant can say, I want out and I want to go to Phoenix or Miami And Brooklyn is probably going to try to do that. Like, look, you're working with these players and agents. You're going to work with more of their guys later. You would like to help him do that, but not at the cost to your team. At the end of the day, if Toronto suddenly offers up Scotty Barnes, you're going to take Scotty Barnes and be like, sorry, Kev, we're going to have to take this. Good luck in Toronto. I hope you like it there. Um, So with Beal, yeah, he, he doesn't have that. Beal can say, nope. I will only ever say yes to a trade if you send me send me to the Knicks. That's where I want to go. Give me the Knicks. I'm going there. They got Donovan Mitchell. I want the Knicks. And that's it. I'm never playing for you again. Trade me there. And now, like, goodbye leverage. And with Beal, Beal is the goodbyest of goodbye leverage. Like, we talk about negotiations. I don't know what Washington is doing here. There was no negotiation. It was like a hostage negotiation. It was crazy. Like, Beal got everything. There's no, there, he got a player option on the deal. Spoiler alert, 57 million at age 34. He's going to pick Taking that one it. up. Yeah. But he got it anyways. He got the true no trade clause, which there are only 10 players in NBA history ever who have gotten a true no trade clause. And we're talking like Kobe and Tim Duncan, LeBron, Kevin Garnett, it's Bradley insane. Beal. Yeah, like it's, it, it's it makes nuts. absolutely no sense. It's no negotiation. He he walked in and his agent, credit to where it's due, was like, we're getting everything, everything we possibly want. Washington, you get no say in any of it. Like, look, even we're not going to get there, but 
guys like like Zion signed his extension. Yeah. Zion for five years, no player option. New Orleans got that one piece of the deal. You get an extra year of Zion. John Morant, five years. Darius Scarland, five years. No player option. They're that's big. important. You, you keep these guys that one extra year. That's a win for the team. You get to keep them. Washington got no wins. They no. gave Brad Beal everything. Yeah, he he really took the farm. And like I know you mentioned Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks. <laughs> I would love this trade to happen. We're recording this on uh, on Friday right now. So hopefully this news breaks between now and when this podcast gets released. But you know, if you're the Knicks, you gotta send. I think you just send everything, right? Like you, you just like not everything, everything, but yeah. like I think most players are un, like are are available in the in a Donovan Mitchell trade because I know you're kind of high on Donovan. Yeah, I'm very high on Donovan, and look, I, at no point do I feel like oh trade for Donovan now you're a title contender. That, that's not the point. The difference with the Knicks is that it's the Knicks, it's New York, it's Madison Square Garden. You get a true star in. And Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion, would be the biggest star in New York since Patrick Ewing. Let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> Sorry to Carmelo fans. He certainly is, he's, he's on the list. He's right there. It's, it's like Bernard King, Pat Ewing, Carmelo, Donovan Mitchell. You get one name a decade, apparently. Go get the star because now you're in New York and someone else is going to be like, hey, that's pretty good. I actually do want to go play for them like they yeah. wouldn't in a Minnesota or a Memphis or whatever. This is not going to happen. New York, it can happen. And to me, any pl- whatever player, I don't, the roster in New York is not going anywhere. I'm sorry that I had to say it that bluntly. Whatever player has to go, as I'm not drawing the line there. The negotiation for me is about the draft picks. I'm not willing to offer everything because I think I can make the best offer and, and give up two first-round picks or three. I have eight to offer if I'm New York. And I know Danny Ainge wants all eight of them. It's just ridiculous, and, yeah. And like it's to me when when that deal comes out, and I think it probably will. The thing you have to watch is not even necessarily how many picks, but which picks and what are the protections on it. Did yeah. they get the New York picks, and did they get them further out where there's more time to 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 get bad and and mixed again and turn <laughs> them good? Uh, again, sorry, but I, I think like go get the deal done, but be careful with you know. Be careful with the picks. Try to keep as much as you can. Try not to do what Minnesota did. And yeah, I mean, like if if New York trades eight picks away and like gives literally everything and Quentin Grimes and RJ Barrett and everything else, like it's not going to be that. But if no. they do, me and you're going to be right back here, just like drowning in jazz misery together on who got screwed over worse on the jazz deal. I I think barring the Knicks trading like six or seven draft picks, which I don't think they will, it's genuinely hard for me to conceive of a legitimate trade package for Donovan Mitchell that I won't love for New York. Go yes. get your guy. Yeah. So you heard it here first Knicks to win the title. Book <laughs> it. We're good. So, uh, but Brandon, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, I hope like you guys can kind of get something actionable from this. I think that there's some paths here. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that like, you know, it, it's hard to digest. So we tried to make it digestible for you, try to make it easy to understand and like see where these, you know, where these contracts, how the tea leaves kind of look. So uh, Brandon, really appreciate you having you on. Uh, you can obviously find all of Brandon's work at the Action Network and especially on his Twitter at Wheaton Brando. And this is a great time. I'm really glad that you came on here, Brandon. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. And let's that with all that news, with all that free agency talk, let's cash that. Chase the money, chase the money. Bitch, be for real. Huh. Let's make a deal. Bitch, be for real. Here's your pill. Okay. Let's make a deal. Rubble still skin. She wanna see my purple pickle up in the wind. Okay. cut that's off, bitch, get in. And if your nigga don't like me, hit chinny chin chin. Huh. Bitch, I'm hotter than a pepper, no mint. Huh. Big stepper, no stilts, big tilt. Uh, 1K, bought my bitch a new kilt, yeah. New skirt, ice skirt, big drift, yeah. New grills, 10K, big lisp. Diamonds dancing on my fist, no disc. Uh, give me lips, rock band like kiss. Uh, remember days, me and eggs hitting leaves. One side of Milan, we hit a lick on your bitch. I'm a good fella, Mason, my jello, my kick. Uh, I am false to failure, my nigga, I got drip. Uh, Ashing on your bitch, this that pookie, my trainer shit. Uh, who's this? He should be in cockpit. Uh, Cause I'm flyer than a fucking ostrich uh. Okay On my wood that bitch won't give me polish uh. I'ma put my foot up in his socket uh. Who's this? He should be in cockpit uh. 
Cause I'm fired and I'm fucking ostrich uh, On my wood that bitch won't give me polish uh, I am constructor that bitch I demolish Yes give me a girl from Disney And a happy meal pretty please don't jip me On the fries uh -huh. on the guys uh huh McDonald's cause they still sell pies uh huh Just bought a new suit got my uptides uh huh Said he won't beef pull up five guys uh huh Yes I'm fire a little different like pumpkin fries uh -huh. Hold up uh, where's my weed guys <laughs> One thousand man I'm here to lick on your bitch I'm a good fella missing my jello my kick uh, I am false a failure my nigga I got drip uh, Ashing on your bitch this that Pokemon trainer shit uh, Who's this he should be in cockpit uh, Cause I'm flyer than a fucking ostrich uh, On my wood that bitch won't give me polish uh, I'ma put my foot up in his socket uh, Who's this he should be in cockpit uh, Cause I'm flyer than a fucking ostrich uh, On my wood that bitch won't give me polish uh, I am constructor that bitch I demolish hey.